Welcome to the Meeple Surf, Meeple Surf After Show. Uh, this is episode 99. We've been talking about selling out and moving on in the industry. Uh, we have our host for today, Daryl Andrews and Nate from Indiegogo, Nate Murray. And, <laughs> Nate Murray. Yeah. How are we doing? Uh, we're doing great. I think we all, I think we're all doing great. Is everybody doing great? Yeah. I'm doing great. This, yeah. this is why I typically don't do the intro. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, I, th- I think you did great. And uh, I think we had a great episode. Uh, se- talking about selling out, we were a little so. tongue-in-cheek uh, with stuff. Uh, but I think we, we actually yeah. did touch on some examples uh, strategically and just life experience-wise of, of, of selling out, what people some, some people call selling out, but also uh, some examples of doing that strategically and what, what mm-hmm. it means to transition. We didn't talk about it in the show, but I mean... I think this is a perfect example. Uh, Nate, you you worked with a publisher. Now you're actually helping come alongside lots of publishers. So yep. what, I mean, you, you you have a transition story there and maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, I'm sure I'm better known by the mm-hmm. eight people that know me uh, as kind of being the product manager for IDW Games. And this opportunity with Indiegogo came up and um, it was something that much like Travis said uh, was too good to pass up. And so I I made the move essentially for a couple of reasons. Um, One was I felt that there was going to be a time where I had to leave IDW and that was just because of the structure of the company. I was not an owner. I was an employee. Um, I was very well compensated for my time. They were, they treated me, very well, Jerry Bennington, the, the VP there, is one of my favorite humans, and working with him was awesome, but I was always going to be working for him as long as I stayed there. And so the reality was uh, exit strategy was either going to be to start my own publishing company, which I didn't feel uh, was right as a first exit from IDW to leave my boss and then immediately compete with him. I felt like there should probably be some some time before that uh, out of respect, especially because my I've been in sales in this kind of business a long time, and you leave your book with where you built the book. So I left Jerry all my contacts, and you know uh, Daryl being one of them. Obviously, we're very good friends, and and he does great work for IDW now. And so I, I didn't want to part with any of that. I wanted there to be dead space, and then um, being the crowdfunding manager and in crowdfunding for the last seven years. There was a lot of stuff I didn't like with where crowdfunding was going, and I thought that if I had the opportunity to affect it with Indiegogo, that that would be super exciting. So it was the perfect opportunity, the perfect time. Um, I I would have maybe liked to do another year at IDW, to be fair, to finish some of my draft class that is coming into the company right now, because there's a lot, when you sign games, they don't get seen for a year or maybe more, and this year's game crop is just excellent. I I felt like my hands were on it a lot, but it's in great hands. I you know Spencer, Brian, Kyle, Daryl, they they're gonna do better than I would. So it's it's all fine. But it was a it was a, it was a big change. It, it's you know it, it's hard to leave something you love and, and take that leap. But for the right thing, you have to keep moving, and that's the biggest thing. Is you can't get stagnant. You can't as a designer be reliant on the same game that got you somewhere. You have to learn new mechanics, learn where the industry's going. And the same thing with your career. You can't just accept that you'll show up to work every day and everything will be okay because that's putting too much of your own power in someone else's hands. And that's not really how I've ever lived my life. 
Totally. Well, kind of along those lines then, I know, John, you made a pretty massive transition from working and doing games on the side to doing it full time now. Can you tell us a little bit about that transition? Because, you know, a lot of people say like that, that's the dream, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what they're trying to do. But I mean, there's some good moments to that. And there's some tough moments. Can you kind of walk, walk us through a little bit of that transition? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I went from working a you know, roughly 60 hour a week job and then doing game design in my spare time uh, to doing, I, I work almost as long hours now doing game design because I know that doing it full time, I have to make sure that I have releases, you know, coming up in, in order almost every year, you know, and to, to keep it where I continue to do it full time, I have to have you know, a certain amount of big box games come out every year and some smaller games. And you always hope for the evergreen games, but you never know, you know, on each title, you know, if it's going to sell a thousand or if it's going to sell 5,000 or if it's going to sell for years. So it takes a lot of time and a lot of, you have to plant a lot of seeds to make sure that, you know, when it's time to harvest, that it's a good harvest. So a lot of it's, you know, just been trying to build those relationships, you know, use my time to, you know, meet people in the industry and conventions. I, I don't do a ton of pitching at conventions. And if I do, I always, you know, make sure to set up the meetings way ahead of time. I try to spend more of the time, you know, just getting to know people and establish good relationships there. Yeah, I think both guests were mentioning how much um, being like a human matters and I, I hammer this a lot but so many designers walk up and they just see you as their potential to their billion dollar game you know and they don't treat you as a human so I, I think a good tip is like see what you can do to help someone out who's in the industry instead of always asking for tips like I, I see a lot in beginner places and beginner marketing forums and all these places as people come in they go Everyone look at my project and give me notes. And then you can look at the history of what this person's ever said. Project, they've never helped anyone. <laughs> it's only take. And that's, that's super noticeable when you act like that. So, I mean, you know, one of the first things Daryl did and to begin our relationship was pass me off a flask of scotch when I desperately needed it. <laughs> do a favor for someone. But it, it can be a bottle of water or a mint or just a, honestly, just a, hey, before we start this pitch, do you want to take a minute to breathe? Like, just, just be human. I think, like, that was, that was a really good note, what Travis was saying. Like, you know, it's just not all business. We're all people out here working, you know, hard for things we love, and we work too hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, overall, I, it's blown me away the last few years how generous everybody in the industry is. But I had, mm -hmm. I had somebody that's well-known in the industry tell me, uh, you know, I was talking about, to them about a collaboration, and they said that I don't, I don't do anything for anybody that doesn't give me more out of the relationship than what I put into it. And I was like, that's the exact opposite of what I want to establish. <laughs> and what I want. Like that, that's not an equation that works out in the long term if everybody no. operated that way, where they only, you know, only do <laughs> deals or work with people where they get overpaid. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing pitch. Yeah, how yeah, would you like? Away. to how would you like to do all the work for me and then share the glory? Yeah. That's awesome. 
No, I, I mean, I, I know one example as well that something that I'd like to uh, focus on when I was kind of setting my goals for the year was getting more involved with games on Reddit. And I know John is is really involved there. And, and the advice I remember you giving kind of fits this, this as well. Like just join and just be involved, you know, just be a human, just help people out, be part of the discussion. And so that's what, you know, one thing that I want to start doing is just be involved. And then if down the road, you know, there's opportunities where people are open to playtesting something or giving feedback, then I've built up that, that credit, you know, that social credit of like, oh, that's that guy who helped me, you know, those multiple times or was just part of the discussion and shared some advice, things like that. And I, I think that the industry in general is very generous, like John's saying. There's a lot of people that are willing to offer advice or support to playtest each other's stuff, but there's still always those you know, those bad apples that are just really sucking the life out of, you know, or just using people. Uh, And and it's not, it's not, yeah, I would say most of the case, it's not bad apples. It's misinformed apples, right? It's just like, you don't know, you're like overexcited. You're a retired nautical engineer or something. And you've (laughs) been developing your game for 10 years and you just, that's all you think about. And like, all these people are doing these things. All these people are humans. And so like, just, just remember that. But I, I, what drives me nuts is people not giving back to the community. Like, especially when you're new, don't come in with what Travis said, especially was my game's the next new innovative thing. It's like, have you researched it? Because have you really <laughs> dug in? Can I name five games that your game is not as good as like, no, like Know, know your numbers before you come to the table and then know, know your people too. So I, I think that's important. I think, um, you know, speaking of like sharing and collaboration, Daryl, you do a huge amount of co-design. How are those relationships formed for people who are maybe more looking to get into something like that? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I can use uh, John as an example. I was just reminiscing about how I, I forget what episode it was, but I think it was like four or five that John was on one of our first episodes of Meeple Syrup. Here we are at 99, and he's now a regular go-to person that we call on for co-hosting and different things. We I've been to his house. He's been to my house. You know, we, we visit each other at conventions. And it all actually just started because it was like, hey, you made a cool game, you know, are you willing to come on our show and share a little bit of your story, share some advice? And even the motivation behind this show was just like, how could we, you know, elevate and point out other designers and other industry folk and give them a little bit of a platform? Because originally what we were thinking, wow, like nobody actually knows the designers. They just know the reviewers. So how could we even like spend a little bit of our energy and actually like point out all these amazing designers and creators and, and people in the industry that are kind of in the background. And this show alone has opened so many of those doors for me for co-design because I, you know, I'm really just doing this show to get to know people and to encourage the industry. And because I'm giving and it's not really a take, I get to meet really cool people. And so I, Mm -hmm. you know, over the, over the years I've gotten to know John and, and even John and I have a few co-designs that are in the pipeline, some stuff that we're tinkering away at uh, and still trying to, you know, find find its place but the cool part is it all started because of this show of just inviting him on as a guest nice. smart yeah that's cool yeah and that's that's you know you're giving back and you're getting and then it, it just grows organically but i think the thing is it's a 
it takes 10 years to be an overnight sensation, right? That's, that's, that's it. All of a sudden your name is on something huge, but people aren't seeing the trail of tears that is behind that huge project. And that's important to know. Absolutely. Yeah. Dead or Winter definitely wasn't the first thing that I designed. It was just the first thing I designed that people really know about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It definitely takes time. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Well, I'm curious. uh, We talked a little bit about kind of like this whole, like, companies combining and partnering and buying each other and this you know our, our title was selling out i'm curious what we think and feel with kind of this this trend of companies selling to each other and being bought i mean the classic we didn't talk about it but asmo day i mean that's a huge topic mm-hmm. on selling out and people selling either just the rights to their most popular game i mean we've seen examples like Catan or spot it or then even whole you know, whole divisions like Days of Wonder um, or Fancy Flight going to Tasman I mean, Day. It's a really weird feeling because, I mean, Dead of, Dead of Winter has been the part of two different purchases now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Plot Hat was bought by F to Z two years ago. And then last year, F to Z was bought by As- or, uh, Asmodee. So it's, it's really weird, especially because every one of those buyouts brings a huge change of culture. I um, mean, a huge change in the mm-hmm. way that everything's done. Um, sure. But I, I think as as a designer, it's better for me because it means, you know, it's wider distribution and, uh, you know, theoretically their price, their, their price point for printing should be down because they're a bigger company ordering bigger volumes. So hopefully their profits are a little bit more and because we usually get paid as a percentage of the profits, you know, it's better for everybody. But right as a designer that's yeah. that's how i feel yeah i i do think there's a, a a little bit of a con especially for the little the little guy you know the designers that are still trying to make a name it, i mean i can i can say for myself like i was always trying to crack meetings and i, I thankfully did get a lot of meetings with bigger publishers but a lot of people it's difficult to get you know even an appointment with some of these larger companies. And then even when you do, you're kind of an unproven commodity. I can, I can say like, for example, the walled city, my first game, it was, it got very far with a, with a major publisher. And at the end of the day, they returned it and said, we liked it just as much as another game, but we had one spot. We had to choose between two games and your, your game got bumped by a Kramer Kiesling game. Sorry. Like their name's going to sell better than yours. And it was like, I respect that. I was actually just excited to be in the same conversation, but, but at the same time, if, if these companies keep combining and, and you know, there's, there's fewer and fewer of these middle companies, it, 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 it's tough. It's tough for designers to, to maybe even get a meeting or get notice until you crack in and get a few. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And I I would say it, it's gonna. The trend will continue. In my, I see there being three or four huge players in a few years, and then a bunch of straight boutique one product guys or girls, ladies, yep. people. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna. The 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 middle is gonna shrink. I don't know where else we've seen that before. A shrinking middle class of products, but uh, it, it's it's coming to gaming for sure. Totally. Yeah. How, uh, what. Before before uh, we go too far, I I gotta ask this. Obviously, we have a, a crowdfunding expert with us. Some people 
see the whole idea of crowdfunding as selling out instead of doing it the real way of uh, publishing and and going through the conventional traditional distribution model. Uh, we got to ask you, Nate, what what would you counter that person? How would you respond to people that uh, either designers that are like, I don't want my game with a crowdfunding company mm-hmm. or even totally. with publishers like publishers that are saying like, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? You know, might as well yeah. uh, get some of that advice while you're here. So I, yeah, obviously crowdfunding has changed over the years. I've been watching it since the first sites went live and it used to be people coming with an idea and uh, other people helping make that idea come true. And it has since evolved like a lot of things do where, you know, it caught the attention of bigger publishers and they've begun to use it more as a pre-order vehicle and as a marketing vehicle. It's similar to Facebook or Twitter. Um, crowdfunding is another social media platform. That's really all it is. So Facebook in the old days and Twitter in the old days was we talked to each other. And now my Facebook feed is full of advertisements. And my Twitter feed is certainly, I don't follow anyone that's non-industry or, or commercial on Twitter. And it's interesting how it's evolving, but it makes sense if you think about it. Um, this is a way for consumers to talk to a brand directly and talk to that brand before they get a product. Being with their dollars as the game is made, instead of seeing something announced and just hoping it's good and maybe watching review and buying the product. So it's good and bad, right? Like I don't like going on and I hope I can help with that. And as far as the valuation of what should come in a game at what price point, I think it some of these mega projects that deliver so much for a certain dollar amount that's unsustainable ever in distribution, it hurts our game stores. And we have to make sure our game stores, as I like to meet you guys at the game shop and play, because my girl will always allow people at the house. Um, so we have to watch out for that. I do think I'd love to see, um, you know, some of the smaller guys get a chance again that maybe aren't right now. Some of these small idea projects, and that's something I'm focusing on personally. Um, but I do think it's cool to have the big brands there because you get to yell at them and tell them what's going on. I mean, the story I tell constantly about running the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles campaign is that have Bebop and Rocksteady in that campaign. They were not in the plans. They were going to be a later expansion. And the crowds freaked out. And, like, they were right. We were wrong. Like, that's, that's the end of it. There's no argument for me. They were right. We were wrong. And so we stayed up, lost a bunch of sleep, and got Bebop and Rocksteady in the game because they, they should have been. So it's fun that you can have that sway in the middle of a campaign to actually influence the product. I think Travis and, and Josh both hit on that, that the fans yeah. can go, oh, that looks terrible, or oh, you know, maybe you missed a colorblind friendly element, and someone out there is going to tell you, hey, you're missing colorblind friendly right now. And you can go, oh, my God, I'm glad I didn't go to print. You know, so it's, <laughs> it's a useful thing and, and big companies will continue to use it as they should because w- when you have a big brand and your customers love the heck out of it, they might know it better than your product guy if he's new. Um, and then, but yeah, let's help some small guys make ideas happen again. I hope that I can do that with, with Indiegogo especially. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one, of the, one of the things that a lot of people feel was bad for Kickstarter in the previous is when they took away the gatekeeping and the the review process before it used to be that mm. when somebody submitted a 
game, it would have to go through internal review process before it was approved uh, totally. to launch. Is that does Indiegogo have that review process, or is that something that you plan on? Uh, it, so Indie's interesting. That, I think this is a great thing uh, that everyone in crowdfunding needs to look at right now is because there's interesting metrics where people who've backed a certain number of campaigns like stop doing it because the percentage of non-delivery is too high. And mm-hmm. so Indiegogo um, is certainly more aggressive in vetting out fraud products. They have, you know, terms and services looking at things. I'm definitely now looking at gaming. Um, I think the beautiful models on their hardware side, there were a bunch of crazy technology products that went out and failed and haven't delivered and pulled millions of dollars out of the economy. And so Indy actually has like a China team, manufacturing team, partnerships with huge players that ensure these products are getting made, they're real and they ship. And I'm really hoping that that's kind of the vision for the games team and that I'm just really the first person in the door. But in reality, you know, factory partnerships, manufacturing partnerships, I know that I'm on the phone with uh, fulfillment centers because I had a pain point there of making sure that, you know, EU friendly, Canada friendly, all that kind of stuff. Like I've made those mistakes. And so I'm calling partners now so that when you call and say, Hey, Nate, I want to run a project. I can go, all right, who are you printing with? Who are you fulfilling with? Who are you doing these things with? And if you don't have those answers, I can say, wait, let's not go out this month. Let's push a quarter and let's answer all your questions first. So you're not doing it on the fly because you're going to have a better experience and your game's going to ship and your backers are going to be happy. We're all going to win. Even if it costs you a month and you're really excited. So Definitely something we look at a lot and care about. Um, and that's, you know, that's why you see some of the smaller projects not funding anymore because people are only throwing their money at guaranteed shipper, huge people. So there's a way to change that. Um, Absolutely. Do you, how I was do you, just going to say, John, John, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the hundred things campaign a little bit, describe that and how you got involved with that one? Yeah, and I'm interested to hear Nate's thoughts on it, too. Uh, in January, Kickstarter did a campaign where they asked their uh, project creators to run a Make 100 campaign where you offered uh, a, at least one pledge level that was limited to just 100 items. Um, and I decided to mm-hmm. do something a little bit different than some of the other ones where I was offering 100 copies of a game that I haven't designed yet in that I'm going to include all the people who backed it in the design process over the next year and it's going to end up just being a hundred copies of a handmade game you know they'll get you know essentially i'll make everything in-house on foam core and whatnot it won't go through a publisher but it's going to be a hundred copies of a unique game that doesn't exist anywhere else um but how do you feel about little like uh initiatives like that in the industry I, I mean, I think that's cool. It's like that's about passion, not money, right? And there's different – if you break down the different types of backers, we, we talk about that a lot internally, but there's some backers who just want to make a cool, unique thing happen and see that an idea come to life. And there's a class of backer that is targeting that make 100 essentially, and then there's the backers who just want a good deal or whatever or are early adopters on a technology. Um you know, the make 100 for a game was interesting. I considered backing your project, but I also wanted to let other people get a chance. And, and 
was also concerned because I know you have some IDW games and want to make sure they don't get held up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had mixed feelings <laughs> watching your make 100. Uh, <laughs> I hope the kids are doing a lot of that foam core cutting is all I'm saying. Oh, yeah. uh, but I do love that that's kind of the spirit of the old crowdfunding thing of, of going back to that of, just make a cool wacky thing for a hundred people and call it a day and move on. And, and you got mm -hmm. to, you got to make your thing. Not everyone has to make a million bucks off every project. So maybe some of these, these people with the smaller ideas can utilize a game crafter or whatever, which excels at the hundred unit, but they could never go to China to get a thousand backers. So, okay, fine. hundred, right. Cool. It's an exciting thing. Awesome. Will you be pushing any kind of initiatives like that within your dojo? Trying to find creative things to draw creators and yeah. producers in. Yeah, not not exactly aping that, but certainly um, I I'd like to shepherd in some smaller campaigns and make sure that somebody gets a highlight of like a passion project or we're doing. I can't announce it, but we, I just got an email today that seriously said like, look for people who just have passion and let's highlight them in a. In the vague, oh, oh, that's hopefully vague enough, but I, yeah. that is something everybody cares about. I mean, I, I know that one of the big projects everybody in indie funded, Indiegogo, they hate me saying indie, um, was a cello <laughs> album recently, a concept cello album. Yeah. Got a bunch of money from employees inside the, the just, uh, we fund a lot of projects. Like, I think we are all probably crowdfunding addicted addicts worse than almost anyone. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but yeah, we're- Okay. All right. I think, I think we're like yeah, 450 super. projects back. <laughs> it's bad. Super backers. Wow. Super. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely, there's, there's an initiative to find that person who's just putting the hours in after work at night and has no clue other than they love it. I met this guy at uh PAX South who got all this crazy good nautical art and a free common use and he's built this deck builder and it's like, I just want to help him because they're mm -hmm. terrible crowdfunding projects. They don't make money, <laughs> but it, I could probably help him get at least basically into the business. And he's got a beautiful, really cool project that he cares a lot about. So definitely looking for those kind of folks. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, uh, I just noticed the time. I can't believe how fast yeah. it's gone, but <laughs> I need to be, uh, I'm leaving my house for New York in just over 10 hours. So oh, wow. uh, I'm going to have to wrap up because I still need to pack, eat, sleep. <laughs> I'm realizing <laughs> 10, ho 10 hours is not a lot for all those things. But I just want to say <laughs> thank you to all of you, both of you for uh, hanging out, chatting, uh, looking forward to uh, seeing uh, what future ventures for Indiegogo, and obviously yeah. John, always a big fan of your games. Really psyched for Wasteland and Path and Path hitting hitting the market soon. Uh, yes. People, you got you got to check out both games. They're amazing. I love them. I've I've got to play test both of them, and they will be nice. easy purchases for me. Uh, not only because of great design, but also great artists involved in those projects. Hello, great components. <laughs> so definitely check those out. Uh, Nate, Nate's already doing other business. Uh, he's, that's perfect. That I'm it, actually already know. talking to Travis now. We're talking Stuck. business. Oh, perfect. business up. Perfect. Nate C. Murray on Twitter. Yep. You know where to find <laughs> him, folks. So, so with that, 
you you can see please uh you can just call call nate up or call john or i up uh find us on twitter uh john what's your twitter at john dillmore and i'm just at daryl m andrews or daryl andrews uh so you can find us there we love chatting design and ideas so if we yes. can support support you play test stuff uh both john and i have great uh circles of uh play testers so you're welcome if you're in the area to join some of our play test nights and if you're at a convention we love playing games and hanging out so uh please uh track us down i'll be at the new york toy fair this weekend so if you're there uh, give me a shout it'd be great to see you until then uh keep making great games Hopefully we'll get to play some soon. Ciao. Bye.